with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to the latest and greatest edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast. I am Alex Smith, joined by the one, the only, Fran Duffy. Fran, how are you today? Alex, doing wonderful. Another game day here in Philadelphia. Another great day of college football yesterday. Uh, A lot of big boys went down. It was a, a good day of college football. It was really nice for me because uh, since obviously the Eagles are playing a home game today against the Miami Dolphins, didn't have to travel or anything like that, and I just sat on my couch all day and watched college football. Those are the best days. Which was great. I mean, I I think I went out and got some Chinese food for dinner, but other than that, I did not leave the house. I sat in front of the TV, and it was great. So uh, obviously a lot to talk about. Um, uh, Eagles and the Dolphins will be later today, but we're starting off today. Uh, by talking about the biggest college football matchups. Uh, Fran, I want to start out today by talking about some of the guys from your Saturday scouting column. And the first guy that you mentioned is Dak Prescott, the quarterback uh, from Mississippi State. Last year, he had a ton of hype, uh, a Heisman candidate last year, uh, really gained some national recognition. I think he's been under the radar a little bit this year when he talked about guys in the Heisman running. Sure. Um, But yesterday against Alabama, he had an okay game, 22 of 43, so not a great uh, completion percentage. Throws for 300 yards, did throw a pick. Uh, as Mississippi State, they, they started out uh, pretty well against Alabama, but ultimately the Crimson Tide just too much to handle. Um, Dak Prescott, where do you see him right now? You know, I think Prescott at this stage is kind of where Brett Hundley was a year ago, where, you know, the tools are there. I think he's an easy thrower. I think that he's got good size. He's obviously got good athleticism. Um, there are still a lot of things that he needs a lot of refinement on. And one of them, uh, just footwork in the pocket. I think that his, his body clock in terms of knowing when the rush is coming still needs a little bit of work. And there are obviously a lot of people out there that question whether or not something like that can be fixed. But overall, he's got the tools. I think if he goes somewhere where he can get developed and be brought along in, you know, in an NFL system, I think that he has a chance to turn into something. But right now in this quarterback class, and we'll see who comes out from the junior group, this quarterback class has much more depth than last year's did, and Brett Hundley went in the, what, the fifth or sixth round. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's probably where you're looking at with Prescott uh, at this stage. But going up against Alabama, I, I wrote about it on Friday. That, that was, this was the toughest test of his season. Uh, up and down performance, and that defense is just phenomenal. Obviously, you know a lot more than I do when it comes to the draft process, but I just feel like with quarterbacks, you never really know where they're going to go because you never teams get desperate for quarterbacks around draft season. So a guy like Brett Hundley, I remember there was talk about him maybe going in the first round, second round last year, and he fell all the way to, I think it was the fifth or the sixth round. So, um, But getting back to Prescott for just a second, on the broadcast yesterday, um, they spoke about how he's trying to develop into more of a pocket passer. Can he do that, or would he be better suited in a system that gets him out of the pocket and gets him out, uh, you know, a little maybe a read option system if there is one in the well, NFL. Well, I, I think that he's got the ability, and his athleticism will always be a part of his game. And so teams, you know, whoever drafts him, you know, if he does play and when he does play, they're going to they're gonna try and get him out of the pocket and roll him out and do some different things, you know, from a boot action standpoint and get him, you know, try and move the pocket. But overall, and, you know, we'll talk many times with Greg Cosell as, the, as we talk about, you know, throughout the draft process – when you talk about a quarterback and moving forward with the NFL draft, 
you have to be able to throw from the pocket when it counts. So that's obviously an area where he's going to have to learn to improve. It's funny. One of the guys that I thought about when I watched, and just in terms of the way he like throws and the way he moves, mm-hmm. it's very similar to the way Donovan McNabb played. You know, in terms of just his like throwing motion, it's very very similar. That's interesting. Uh, you know, similar type of an athlete coming out of school. You know, McNabb was a great athlete coming out of Syracuse. Uh, there's very similar type players, and just from that perspective, from an athletic movement standpoint. Uh, similar to McNabb. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that's obviously the best decision for Prescott to try and turn into a more of a pocket passer because uh, that's what he's going to need to be able to do if he's going to succeed at the next level. Meanwhile, on the other side for Alabama, a guy I'm really interested to talk to you about is Derrick Henry because I feel like last week um, against LSU, which you know everybody thought that would be the Leonard Fournette game, and Derrick Henry had a much better game than Fournette did, um, but Henry goes – 22 carries, 204 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, where do you see Derrick Henry kind of fitting into the mix at running back? He's, he's going to be an interesting case study because no back in the last five years has been his size and has gotten drafted. He's too, listed right now at 242, uh, which is incredible weight for a running back in terms of a guy that can o- actually operate. He's got deceptive speed in the open field. You know, I think he's a one-speed guy. He's not one of those guys that's going to have extraordinary burst or acceleration through the hole. But obviously a big, strong player, has the ability to run through arm tackles, has the ability to lower his shoulder through a pile and move people. I was you know, studying him. I don't think he breaks as many tackles as people would lead you to believe. I think that his vision is a bit of a question. Overall, I think his athleticism will be a question uh, because you need, in, you know, in terms of being an NFL running back, athleticism is a big part of it, especially if you're going to be a feature back that's going to carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. You have to be a pretty good athlete to be able to see if you can get that yards per carry mark from you know, the mid-twos, which would be awful, and that's what, was the, that's what has been the problem with uh, Trent Richardson throughout his mm-hmm. career. Can you get that yards per carry from the twos to the fours and fives? Uh, athleticism has a, a lot to do with that. I, I want to see more of Henry. I don't know that he's more right now. I don't know that he's more than a day three pick. I wouldn't go really? as far to say I wouldn't go as far to say that he's a fullback at the next level. Not yet, but that's going to be a big question for me. Is as I watch more and I haven't watched the you know studied him in that LSU game. I've seen him against Georgia. I've seen him against Wisconsin this year, uh, and I saw him against Tennessee this year. Three you know solid SEC defense. You know Wisconsin Big Ten defense, but three solid defenses on the schedule. And that was my big question. And even coming from last year, because I studied him over the summer as well as a sophomore, my big questions were his athleticism and his vision. A lot of times he's running into the back uh, of his blockers up front. Can he make people miss consistently at the next level? That's going to be the big question. It seems like there's a mold for Alabama running backs as of late. And I'm interested to get your take on this because uh, if you think about guys like a Trent Richardson, who you mentioned, uh, Eddie Lacy, where does he kind of fit in with those guys as far as from a pure athletic standpoint? Well, that's the thing is you look at a guy like Lacey who coming out, if you liked Lacey, you really liked the fact that he had pretty light feet for a bigger guy. And obviously this year that has not worked out for him. He's, it seems like he's ballooned up a little bit. Some people think that he's playing in the high 250s in terms of, uh, in terms of his weight right now. And obviously production-wise that's affected his, uh, you know, what he's been able to do between the, between the lines here on Sundays. But uh, Trent Richardson, the big problem has been his athleticism and his vision. I I don't know whether or not Derrick Henry has those same deals. And look, everyone knew Trent Richardson. He was he was a safe pick. He was going to be a top ten pick. Mm-hmm. The Browns traded up to take him in the draft. I mean, he was he was a slam dunk. And was after that rookie season in which he had a solid year. That you know he just went downhill from there and has been on four teams since then. 
uh, w- not saying Derrick Henry is going to be that, but mm. those are the questions that often pop up with running backs are vision and athleticism. Melvin Gordon's a good example too, and that was a guy we talked about numerous times last spring about his vision. Yeah, he's got great bursts. He's you know can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can do so many things in the open field. But too often, when he got into a muddy into a muddy situation up front where things weren't uh, as defined for him in the run scheme, his feet slowed up. He hesitated. He was a little bit slow to hit the hole. And if you've got four three speed or if you've got an extraordinary burst it doesn't matter if you don't know where to go so that'll be the big question is what is his vision like what what is his athleticism like what is his burst like uh and that'll determine how successful he is in the nfl i think that he's got some positive traits his strength is great his size is great i think he's an excellent pass protector and that's an area where he's really gotten better from his sophomore junior year i thought he was a willing guy last year really came along in terms of his technique and just his overall discipline as a pass protector but that'll be the big question for me is, is that is there are those two areas. So it sounds like you're not that high on Derrick Henry right now, but a, a guy that I think you are a little bit higher on is Alex Collins at Arkansas. Uh, the Razorbacks with a huge win over number nine LSU, 31-14. to 14. Collins goes for 141 yards, two touchdowns. What have you seen from Collins so far? So with Collins, it's interesting. I think that you can ask the two same questions you asked with Derrick Henry. You can ask those two same questions with Collins because there are times where – you know, you see him slow his feet a little bit approaching the line of scrimmage. There are times where he looks a little bit stiff in his knees, a little bit stiff in his ankles when he's asked to make a cut. But I think overall he's better in those areas than Derrick Henry is. I think he's got a great burst, and that's something that Derrick Henry does not have. I think he's got the ability to, uh, to explode through open holes in the defense uh, and pull away from defenders in the open field. He catches the ball pretty well. He's another good pass protector. He's a big, strong, physical guy. He kind of reminds me of Chris Ivory, who's playing really well right now for the New York Jets, in, you know, just in terms of his run style. I think that Alex Collins has a little bit more potential as a feature back at the next level. Now, the things that scare me, we talked about the inconsistent vision. We talked about the inconsistent athleticism. Off the field, Brett Bielema has come out and said multiple times that he's got to put things together uh, if he wants to reach his full potential. He's missed team meetings. He's missed breakfast, you know, the, the days, days of games. Ball security has been an issue throughout his career. He had a couple fumbles early in the year in a game against Auburn. Uh, fumbled three or four times in games that I watched last year. So those are the issues with Al Collins. I think that he's got good upside in terms of his athletic ability uh, and what he can do going downhill, especially in the open field. But – there are still some uh, some T's that need to be crossed and I's that need to be dotted if he's going to reach his full potential. How about the two LSU linebackers on the other side, Kendall Beckwith and Deion Jones? You know, both of those guys I was excited to watch because I think that uh, they've been very, very productive this year. They're the two leading tacklers on this LSU defense. I came away wanting a little bit more watching both, and it was a good test for them this week against Collins and, and this Arkansas offensive front, one of the biggest offensive lines in the entire country, regardless of college football or the NFL. Uh, I think they boast that they are the biggest in terms of weight. So, uh, you know, definitely a, a imposing front that they were going to have to go against. I think Jones is a little bit of a better athlete. I think Jones is a little bit more instinctive. He's a senior. Beckwith is a, is a junior at LSU inside as middle linebacker. I want to see a little bit more. I think both guys are strong tacklers. I want to see a little bit more from both in terms of athleticism and instincts. Moving into the Big Ten, Illinois wide receiver, and this is a great name, Geronimo Allison. Yes. uh, A talented receiver. He only had one catch for 38 yards yesterday, and a lot of that had to do with who he was matched up against, Eli Apple from Ohio State. Yeah, Eli Apple, who's from right across the bridge here in Philadelphia. He's from Voorhees, New Jersey. Big kid, really athletic, really stood out to me last year uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Ohio State where he shattered Amari Cooper. Uh, and I thought he did a pretty good job against Cooper in that game. 
again, he's got great size. He's listed 6'1". He's got great quickness, the ability to hip pocket downfield with receivers. Redshirt sophomore, apparently he's going to declare. Talking to our good friend mm. Tony Pauline. Tony Pauline thinks that he's going to come out for the draft as a redshirt sophomore. Really talented kid that's going to add to this cornerback class. Uh, and then you look on the other side at Geronimo Allison, a guy that I've gotten a chance to study. We're going to see him in person if we do go down to the East-West Shrine game in St. Petersburg. A uh, big kid. He's 6'4". I want to say he's 210 pounds. Mm. Uh, so he's got good size. And I think that's right now, that's what he hangs his hat on, the fact that he's so strong at the line of scrimmage. He runs through press coverage pretty consistently. He's got the ability to go up and win because of his size. But in all other areas, you really want to see him improve. He's not a great route runner at this stage. Uh, I'd like to see him win more consistently at the catch point. And overall, his athleticism, even though he's a 6'4", 210-pound guy, that's going to be the question with him overall is what kind of an athlete is he because athleticism is such a big part of the wide receiver position. I think the the premier matchup, one of the premier matchups yesterday was Oklahoma versus Baylor, uh, with Oklahoma coming away with a 10-point victory. A really exciting game, a really uh, hard-nosed game, too. Those guys are really going back and forth. Um, but Spencer Drango is a guy that you've talked about, a lot of people have talked about heading into the, uh, into the draft process. And it was really my first time that I actually got to sit down and watch a full game from him. Um, and I was impressed by how strong of a run blocker he looked. Obviously, he plays at left tackle. You kind of associate that with being the better, uh, being a better pass blocker than a run blocker. But I was really imp- uh, impressed by what I saw from Drango. Yeah, you know, as at the left tackle spot, I think that most people, and I, w- I would consider myself as one of them, see him as more of a guard at the next level, just in terms of his body he's type. He's a big guy. He's a like, big he's a guy. wide guy. Exactly. He's got more of that square build right. that, that you know that you would expect from a guard. But he moves pretty well, I thought. He does, and that, it's not that he doesn't have the feet. I think, and that's one of the things actually that impressed me was I don't think he's got great feet, but he's got calm feet. He's very much in control. He doesn't look overwhelmed uh, when he's by himself in pass protection, and that's always a good thing to see. My questions with him, I wanted to see him get a little bit stronger. Uh, going into this year, I wanted to see him get a little bit stronger. So I actually watched him his sophomore year, his junior year, and now his senior year I'm excited to kind of dig deeper on. So I've been watching this kid for a couple of years. I want to see him get a little bit stronger at the point of attack. I thought that he anchored well in pass protection, but just in terms of moving people up front, I wanted to see him improve. You said that, you, that was an area that you were really impressed with him. So uh, I'm excited to dig deeper into that. But uh, I, th- I think that overall he looks like a solid player. And that's what I mean when we talk about this offensive line group. I don't know the, how many guys are going to go round one. And we've talked about the two tackles, uh, Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss, who's an underclassman that would have to declare, and uh, Notre Dame's Ronnie Stanley as two guys that feel pretty good. Those guys are going to go first round. After that, I don't know how many guys are going to go round one, but I think it's a really good draft in terms of the offensive line in rounds you know, two through five, we'll say. Uh, there's going to be a lot of players selected in that area. Yeah, I was really impressed with the way that Drango can move for a big guy. And then another guy that I could say the same thing about was Laquan McGowan, who's a 410-pound <laughs> tight end for, for Baylor. All he does is catch touchdowns. In his career, three catches, 41 yards, three touchdowns. What are the pro prospects for Laquan McGowan? <laughs> He's got great hands. He's got great hands. I don't know if you hands. saw the, the touchdown. I did see the guy. Did see the replay of the touchdown. It just yeah. stuck right in his hands. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got sticky fingers. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you, but. Obviously, the guy's not going to play tight end at the next level. I mean, that, that's I, I haven't studied him as a blocker. I don't know what he's <laughs> what he's used at as a blocker right now. There's no way he's going to play tight end at the next level. Now, could he be a converted tackle and, and can he be Jason Peters? You know, we'll see. Yeah, I guess, yeah. but he's still he's 410 pounds. Yes, I mean, he is. It's something to see. Baylor has some big guys, but just seeing him catch a touchdown was awesome. <laughs> and like I said, his footwork was great. He sold the block pretty well. 
Uh, and then the pass just kind of stuck right to his hand. So uh, good for him. Three career catches, three career touchdowns. Sure. You don't get much more efficient than that. Um, another guy I wanted to talk about from this game, Fran, uh, he's a junior, but Baker Mayfield. I know you probably haven't had a chance to watch him too well, but I think he was really the star of last night's game. Uh, 270 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, showed the ability to run the read option a little bit and take off and run with it. I was very impressed with what I saw from Baker Mayfield last night. Yeah, getting a little fired up as well, uh, as you saw. He did. He got in Shane Oakman's face. And if there's one guy maybe on the planet whose face I wouldn't want to get in, it might be Shane Oakman. Yeah, I think Sean it, Oakman, I should it, say. But uh, yeah, it got right in his face. But it, like I said, it was a chippy game. So it was good to see from uh, from old Baker Mayfield. Sure. And the guy's played you know since his freshman year. He was at Texas Tech and was a starter there. Uh, once he got demoted, he ended up going to Oklahoma and walking on. You have to like that in terms of his background. I think that he's flashed at times. But I haven't gotten a chance to fully study him. The thing that I will say, and I've said this before, is that you always want to kind of go into systems like that uh, with a little bit of trepidation. Not saying the kid's not a not a good player. I will go in with a little bit of a little bit of pause just to you know make sure that obviously that you want you want to make sure that the kid's the real deal. Everyone, I saw a lot of people on Twitter right now. You know, people that are national analysts say. You know, he might he might be the best player of the best quarterback in college football. Let's let's pump the brakes just a little <laughs> bit. Obviously, great game and great great day for the program. Great for the kid as well. Um, but it's it just goes to show you that this quarterback class. Everyone's trying to anoint that next guy. And uh, you know, one week it's Paxton Lynch, one week it's Jared Goff, one week it's uh, you know, there's so many of these players uh, that you know have been cycled in and out as the as the top quarterback in this in this draft. This week it's Baker Mayfield's turn. Have you had a chance to watch Samaji Pirine? I know he's only a sophomore, but he looked—he was another guy who was, who's been really impressive, and he had a good year for them last year as a freshman. He did, and he, he's a guy that big, strong kid, you know, moves deceptively well for his size. I'm really excited to dig deeper into him over the summer because he is a sophomore this year, so mm-hmm. not draft eligible. I will for sure watch him and study him really hardcore uh, once the probably the day after the 2016 NFL draft. But uh, starts early for Fran Duffy. <laughs> uh, really interesting kid, though. Whenever I've watched Oklahoma, he's always stood out. Sterling Shepard, the receiver mm-hmm. there, uh, is a guy that is that needs to be watched. A guy that I've watched uh, a couple times this year. And he makes a number of big plays. I think he's got slot receiver written all over in the next level. Really impressive guy. How about over on the other side for Baylor? Uh, we already mentioned him, but uh, Sean Oakman, who's just this physically imposing force. They said he was playing a little bit banged up last night. Um, yep. I think he has some swelling in his knee or dealing with, and dealing with something else as well. But um, just it was one of my first opportunities to really see him play a full game. And I think the injury took a little bit out of him because he didn't seem to be you know, that, that force that we've seen from him at the defensive line. But how do you feel about Oakman moving forward? Oakman is a guy that he's going to be a buyer beware situation just because he's got outstanding uh, physical ability. His size, his length, his burst off the line of scrimmage is very, very good, and that's one of the most important traits for a defensive lineman to have. The question will be he's not a great athlete in terms of his flexibility in his lower half, a little bit stiff mm-hmm. when he's turning the corner, but – his closing speed and things of that nature. And he shows the ability to win in a number of ways with his hands. The problem is that he's just not refined in how he does it. So, you know, you're going to see him do a hand swipe. You're going to see him go with a swim move, a spin move. He's got a number of different ways that he'll attack uh, offensive tackles. The problem is, is that oftentimes his hands are just a little bit late or they're just a little bit off in terms of their placement. And so he might miss on the swipe or, you know, the, the spin move just might be a hair too late and the tackle's able to react. If he could put it all together, you might have, you know, might have a really strong player. You might have a, a Michael Johnson type of player uh, who's been a very successful player up and down for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. We know that he went down to Tampa Bay off that big free agent deal and, and was cut immediately. Yep. One uh, year. Ended up back in the, with the Bengals. But 
uh, a guy that's been inconsistent. At times, he looks like he's a top five pick, uh, particularly last year. There were times where, you know, in the bowl game, I can remember him beating Jack Conklin off the edge, uh, you know, in a split second. He was in the backfield uh, and brought down Connor Cook for the sack. Has the ability to win in a lot of different ways. He just has a lot of refinement that needs to happen. And there have been suspensions in the past. He's a Penn State transfer where he had issues there and had to leave. So, off the field, can he put it all together as well? Those, those, that's going to be the big question there with Oakman. The final matchup from your Saturday scouting piece, you were looking at the uh, Ohio State offensive lineman, Taylor Decker and Pat F-Line. Um, we already talked about Drango a little bit. Where, how do the tackles line up in your, in your mind right now? <sighs> you know, it's interesting in, in that I think, and we talked, the, we have those two guys at the top in Tunsil who, uh, for all intents and purposes, people think he's going to enter the draft. Uh, and then you have Ronnie Stanley. After that, I still want to do more work on, on a lot of these guys, but I think that there are a few guys that want to put their name into the hat. You know, in terms of you have Jack Conklin, who's a junior from Michigan State, who isn't a great, he's a solid athlete, tough kid, shows good, plays with good technique. You just don't know. Okay, is this guy a first round tackle? Uh, you have Taylor Decker, who we're talking about from Ohio State. He's got great size inconsistency was a huge thing with him last year. I can remember the game against Michigan State. They're getting ready to play again this week. Uh, but I remember last year's game, he would go up against Shalit Calhoun, and one play he would look like a top 15 pick, and the next play he would get thrown around like a ragdoll by mm-hmm. Calhoun. He's got great size. He doesn't have great length, but he's 6'7", big guy, uh, pretty athletic for his size. Just wanted to see him consistently be able to anchor down against a bull rush, be able to move people at the point of attack in the run game. I just wanted to see a little bit more consistency from Decker. A lot of people think that he could potentially be a top 15 pick. I didn't see him that way you know, watching from his junior year, so I want to see a little bit more from him in that respect. I'll tell you what, there have been a lot of guys that I've watched that have been pretty impressive. The problem is, is that I don't know how many of them are going to be tackles. You know, Joe Dahl from Washington State, I think, is a pretty impressive guy. I think he might be better off at guard. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, who's the kid from, from Kansas State, and I'm struggling to remember his name right now. Uh, the kid, the, I, I'm trying to remember his name, but either way, there are a lot of guys right now that I think are left tackles that are playing at the, at the tackle spot that are good players. The question will be, can they tra- transition inside to guard uh, you know, and execute that transition well? I think there are a lot of players right now. Pat Elfline from, from Ohio State, I think he's one of the best interior linemen in the country, no question. Uh, really impressed with him. I think he's got good movement. He's got the ability to, uh, to move people at the line of scrimmage in the run game really, really well. He's got great contact power, plays with a strong base, keeps his hands inside. Uh, I was really impressed with Elfline uh, whenever I watched Ohio State. So good stuff in your Saturday scouting column, as always, Fran. Um, looking at some of the other uh, games from inside the top 25 yesterday, uh, some of the quarterbacks, uh, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your take on some of the quarterbacks. Um, Paxton Lynch is a guy whose stock seemed like it was soaring a couple weeks ago. And then last night, uh, Memphis had, I think, a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, 21 points uh, was... Who did they, they play? Houston. Houston. Yeah, Houston scored 21 points in the fourth quarter yes. to come back and beat Memphis yesterday. Uh, Lynch had two touchdowns and an interception, but where's his stock at right now as compared to where it was the last time that we hosted the show, which was a few weeks ago? Everyone seems to think that Paxton Lynch is going to be a top 10 pick. You know, you talk to a guy like Adam Kaplan, I saw, just tweeted that he's going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, anyone you talk to says he's going to come out. Tony Pauline is almost 100% sure that he's going to enter the draft. And now it's going to be a question of where does he go? We've seen a player from this conference from the, you know, we had two years ago, Blake Bortles from central Florida in the AAC entered the draft 
was a top 10 pick, mm-hmm. was the first quarterback taken in the draft. Paxton Lynch could follow suit and be you know in a similar boat. Has a strong arm, really athletic for his size. The question with him is his accuracy and you know in his ball placement. When he has to drive the ball, can he put it you know put it on the receiver uh, with quality accuracy? He's got great touch and his deep ball is outstanding. He's got the ability to drop the ball in a bucket from you know twenty five yards and out you know without without question. But when he's got to drive the ball, what is his accuracy like? That was the big question with me watching him, but. I think he's a top 15 pick. I haven't watched the last couple of weeks where they've lost. They lost to Navy last week, lost to Houston yesterday. Uh, haven't got a chance to study those games. Excited to see him in person next week because they come to Lincoln Financial Field to take on Temple. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll get a chance to watch him in person next week. Some up-close and personal scouting from uh, Fran Duffy there. Uh, how about another quarterback, Connor Cook? He actually suffered a shoulder injury yesterday. Um, they took him out of the game. He says he'll be fine to play next week versus Ohio State, which is obviously a huge game. Uh, but a shoulder injury in a senior season is never really a good thing. Never a good thing. Uh, the big question with Cook right now in terms of what people are talking about nationally is his character off field. You know, He wasn't named a captain, hasn't been a captain at any point during his uh, time in Michigan State. So a lot of people are questioning why would a three-year starter quarterback not be the captain. Uh, that's been the big question. A lot of people have questioned his arm. I think his arm's okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not really worried about his arm strength. He's not going to wow you. He doesn't make a ton of wow throws. To me, his strength is the fact that he's pretty heady in the pocket. A lot of times, he moves well uh, inside the, the boxing ring when there's player, you know, there's defenders around him. He's able to sidestep pressure, step up in the pocket, do little things to be able to create time for himself and deliver the football. Uh, again, I don't really question his arm strength. We'll see what the what the outcome of this shoulder injury is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully, we get to see him down at the senior ball. He's going to get an invite to the game. Hopefully, he decides to go. And there was there was some talk. Uh, I think it was between Josh Norris and Dane Brugner on Twitter that he may decline the invite, which I think would just be an absolute mistake, uh, especially with how many other guys there are in this class that could try and uh, get an opportunity to, to vault him. A, a guy like Carson Wentz from North Dakota State, who I love on tape, um, you know, uh, someone like that goes down to that game and impresses enough, could vault him in the standings here in terms of the quarterback pecking order. Uh, another quarterback, Jake Rudock, threw for six touchdowns yesterday. Obviously, it was an overtime game, so those numbers get inflated just a little bit. Uh, anything you've seen from Jake Rudock to this point? You know, anytime I've watched Rudock, and again, he's an Iowa transfer and ended up at Michigan. He plays for Harbaugh now in that system. I can't say with certainty that he's a, a big-time NFL prospect. I, I would say, and I, I do want to do more work on him, but I, I wouldn't get too, too excited about Jake Rudock at this point. Still, you just never know, and there's there's kind of there's a few guys that are in that boat. Brandon Allen from Arkansas, uh, I think the 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 kid from Western Kentucky, Dowry. Uh, there's a number of different guys in the bottom end of the senior class that I think are all going to vie to be day three picks, and Rudox right in that group. Uh, another quarterback, I just wanted to get your opinion on really quick. He's only a sophomore, so obviously not draft eligible. But Deshaun Watson is having a phenomenal year for Clemson, the number one team in the country. Uh, I'm if you if you have had a chance to watch him on film, does he have what it takes to be a quarterback at the NFL level, or is he a position switch candidate? You know, I I want to do more, and especially because it's he's still so young. You know, he missed he he started the season really really well last year as a true freshman. Uh, then he got hurt and was out for the year. He had the torn ACL. Came back from the torn ACL. A lot of people that I respect that do a lot, you know, that do good work. Steve Palazzolo from from PFF, who does a, you know, he does a really good job, and and Steve is one of the the best out there in terms of the amount of work that he puts in, stands by his convictions, and I, I really like the work that Steve does. He was really really high on Deshaun Watson coming into the year, and he watches Clemson every single week. 
and he's one of the he'll be the, one of the first to tell you that he hasn't necessarily panned out exactly the way that uh, they were hoping. They're still obviously undefeated and having a great season. Yeah. Uh, so obviously he's doing something right there. <laughs> but I, I I haven't put in enough work on Watson to say whether or not I think that he's a position switch guy or whether or not he's a first round pick. My gut says in t- in the times that I have watched Clemson that he's somewhere in between. Uh, and Fran, unfortunately, I hate to bring this up with you, but Temple goes down last night to South Florida. Florida. Um, did you get a chance to watch the game? I watched a good amount of the game, and it was you know you kind of going going into this game. South Florida is a tough team. You know they, they've they've played a lot of opponents tough this year. You're going down there; it's a night game. They're juiced up for mm-hmm. it. Obviously, you saw because they you know when USF won, the fans stormed the field. I don't know that that's ever happened against in Temple. Temple. <laughs> I don't know that, that yeah, actually I lie. There was only one other time I've seen it and I was there and it was the toughest loss of my football career. Uh-oh. We lost to Buffalo on the last play of the game to Naaman Roosevelt on a Hail Mary. Uh it was like from 55 60 yards out. Unbelievable. We had scored a touchdown the Temple had scored a touchdown with uh you know seconds left. They got the ball back at midfield and chucked up a Hail Mary uh and won the game on the last night. I th- I'm pretty sure Buffalo fans stormed the field on that day, but uh, just yeah, look a tough loss. They, they've got the rest. They've got their uh, they've got their destiny in their hands, as uh, Chip Kelly would not say. <laughs> who uh, who are some of the best pro prospects on Temple? Because uh, I've only been able to watch them a little bit here and there. Um, so who are some of their best pro prospects? I think when you look at their pro prospects right now, the best player on the team in terms of just NFL ability is probably the running back Jihad Thomas, who's a junior. Uh, this is his first year really carrying the load, and he's really been the playmaker for this team. Uh, a wide receiver, senior wideout, uh, Robbie Anderson has got good length. He's got good athleticism. He's a pretty solid route runner. I want to see him get a little bit more consistent with his hands, but I think that he's got the ability to be able to snatch the ball away from his frame uh, and be consistent at the catch point. I think the, uh, the center, Kyle Friend, has some ability and is probably going to get drafted. The linebacker, Tyler Matakevich, has been extremely productive throughout mm-hmm. his career, and he's, I think he's the NCAA's uh, current leader in tackles for his career. He's got over 400 stops uh, during his time on North Broad Street. So they've got some players, that, that Matt Ioannidis, a defensive tackle, Hershey Walton, a defensive tackle, uh, Nate Smith coming off the edge. I mean, this is a senior-laden team with a lot of different players at different positions. Uh, Tavon Young at corner, I thought, had a pretty good game uh, against Notre Dame. So overall, a lot of different players that we'll be able to talk about over the next few months. All right, I think that will uh, wrap things up for Draft Buzz here. Great stuff, Fran, as always. Now let's uh, get into pick six here as we talk about some guys who have taken their talents from South Beach. Now it's time for pick six. All right, as we start off our pick six segment here, we look at some guys with some South Florida ties. There's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, Temple playing against South Florida last night and going down. Uh, and then the Eagles and Miami here uh, coming up later today. So, Fran, just a few guys. Let's just kind of go through rapid fire, uh, and you tell me what you think of them. These are guys with South Florida ties, and we'll start things off with quarterback Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, from NC State, 6'3", 230 pounds, from West Palm Beach, Florida, down there in South Florida. He's a really big kid. He's got a strong arm. The biggest positive with Brissett is that he's so darn strong in the pocket. He's near impossible to bring down with one defender. So many times he's making throws with guys draped all over him. He's a very deceptive athlete. He flashes good pocket movement. He flashes the ability to be accurate uh, and throw with really good touch. I do think... 
that there are times where he sees things a little bit too slowly, holds on to the ball a little bit too long. Uh, so there were some plays left on the field in the games I watched this year against Louisville and Old Dominion. Plays a little bit too frantic, and I, I want to continue to watch more because he flashes the ability of a top pick, but I want to see a little bit more consistency. I want to continue to watch more from the season because he's, he's an intriguing player, so I'm excited to watch more. Next up on the list, possible top five pick, possible number one pick, depending on who's there, Joey Bosa. Yeah, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, 6'6", 275 pounds. He's got great size for an edge player. He wins with power. He wins with leverage, but he can also turn the corner on you. Uh, wins in so many different ways. I mean, there's not really much to say about Bosa. He's one of the most dominant players uh, in college football. The stats aren't necessarily there for him this year, but he is so disruptive, and it helps to open up so many other things for uh, you know, for the rest of that Ohio State defense, it's funny because we're going up against Indominus Sue this, uh, you know, today later on in the day with the Miami Dolphins, and a lot of people are questioning you know, Sue's production. He's not necessarily, uh, you know, standing out in other in other areas. Whereas Bosa, the production's not there, but he's extremely disruptive on tape. Another edge rusher, Big Daddy Nicholas. Yes, from uh, from Delray Beach, Florida, 6'2", 233 pounds, so a little bit on the under undersized side for uh, an edge rusher. I went down to this when we went down to the Senior Bowl last year. I remember talking with T.J. Clemmings, who was a, who ended up being a fourth round pick at the time. A lot of people thought he was a first round pick. Uh, he ended up falling because of the injury to his foot. But uh, when I asked T.J. Clemmings who the best player that he went up against last year was, he said it was Daddy Nicholas, an explosive guy. He's got a great first step. He's got a high motor. The biggest thing with him is does he have the strength to hold up at the point of attack? But overall, in a senior edge rusher class that doesn't have a lot of standout players, I would say that Nicholas is probably at the top in terms of the senior class. Next up from South Florida to Minnesota. That's got to be a bit of a culture shock. Devondre Campbell. Yeah, from uh, from Fort Myers, Florida down there. Uh, 6'5", 241 pounds. I was, I've always been really intrigued by Devondre Campbell. He's not, he's not a, a natural pass rusher, so... You know, if you're expecting a guy that's going to be a double-digit sack guy, that's not what this guy is. But I really like the way he competes. I'm still unsure of exactly what position he plays. I, I kind of lean more towards a strong side linebacker, you know, kind of a Connor Barwin-type role uh, for a 3-4 team. I think he could play as a 4-3, Sam, as well. And just as long as he's playing on the line of scrimmage, he can play in space. He can play against the run. I thought he was, his instincts, uh, his you know, instinctive plays, I thought, uh, increased as the season went on last year as a junior. He's got the ability to play inside. Really just impressed with, with Campbell's overall athleticism, especially at that size. Moving into the defensive backfield, uh, Eddie Jackson from Alabama. Yeah, he's six foot, 194 pounds. He's from Lauderdale Lakes, Florida. Certainly the most talented corner on that team a year ago. And then they moved him to safety going into this year. So a guy that's, that has corner skills, legit cornerback cover skills, big, long, fluid. He's aggressive. He can play downhill. Uh, I thought that he could improve his technique last year at the corner position going into this year. They moved him to the safety position, and now he's a sideline-to-sideline player. He's made a number of big plays for that secondary this year. Uh, I think that he's going to continue to make big plays for them as they enter the college football playoff in a few weeks. Jackson's a really intriguing player because he's a safety with corner cover skills, and that, as we know, that's a coveted trait in the NFL. And then last but certainly not least, uh, a South Floridian who kind of stayed at home, Deion Bush in Miami. Yeah, how can we not talk about the U? You know, we, we have to talk about somebody from the U. We're talking about South Florida. 6'1", 205, from Miami, athletic kid, instinctive. He's a good kid, a hard worker. He's not afraid to mix it up in the run game. So you're talking about a guy that's got a very diverse skill set. I've seen him make some really impressive plays downfield, playing the football in the air. He's got good ball skills. He's not getting a lot of love right now nationally, but he's one of those guys at the safety position that 
you know, I would take personally, just off of what I've seen from Deion Bush, I would take him over a guy like Jeremy Cash. I would take him over a guy like Carl Joseph from West Virginia. And, uh, you know, I want to watch more from this year. But from what I watched last year, this guy's got the, more of an NFL skill set than those guys have. I, I like Deion Bush on tape. Great stuff there in pick six as we talk about some of the uh, players with South Florida ties uh, who are having a good season right now. Uh, I think we're heading into the home stretch here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So let's wrap things up by digging into the mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, Fran. Well, we're in the home stretch here on today's Journey to the Draft podcast, and we want to thank everyone out there for listening. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, comment, follow, everything. Uh, uh, let us know what you think about the podcast. Um, so as we get into our mailbag here, Fran, just a couple of questions here today, uh, but some good questions, and we'll start things off. Uh, this one comes from Trill Cosby on Twitter, who wants to know, uh, would you say that guard is the biggest problem that needs to be addressed? And if so, is a draft pick the way to go, or would a free agent signing be a better move for the Eagles? You know, I think that the draft versus free agency question is a it's an interesting debate, regardless of what position you're talking about, because to me, and you look at the way, we've said it multiple times, the way you look at how this team has operated over the last few years, if they feel like they have a perceived hole in a position, they will address it in free agency uh, before they get to the draft to give them the ability to draft the best player available. That being said, I think it's pretty well known that they need some youth along the offensive line and continue to make that group uh, a little bit younger, find some more guys to continue to develop uh, behind what they've got right now. So, you know, do I think that they should just go into the draft and just draft the first offensive lineman that can come in and play guard right in the first round? No, that absolutely is not the best way to go. Uh, you want to be able to draft the best players. We wouldn't have ended up with Jordan Hicks this year if they had just drafted mm-hmm. uh, by need throughout the draft. So, um, you know, I think that you want to draft the best players at all times. We'll see where, you know, as long as if, if there's one available. And again, I think that there are a lot of offensive linemen in this draft. I think I would be surprised if they came out of this year uh, without one. And our final question comes from Wilton Houston on Twitter, who asked, friend, who would you say is the best NFL QB prospect in the ACC, not limited to this year's draft? I would say, you know, you, you look at this conference, and this is a good question. Wilton, Wilton's one of, the, one of the good followers of the podcast, a good friend of the podcast and everything that we do uh, in social media. So shout out to Wilton. Um, but, you know, you look at this, team, at this conference right now and what they've got in terms of quarterbacks. And really, it starts with Brissett, who we talked about in the last segment. Uh, you know, you've got a guy that's got great strength at the, you know, in terms of being able to shrug off tacklers and make plays with the ball in his, in his hands. I think that he's got a good arm. We talked about what his strengths and weaknesses are. I think that Brissett right now is probably the most, I would say, the most in terms of being how, how far along they are, he's the top prospect. And, you know, a lot of these guys, other guys aren't really sure things. We don't know what Deshaun Watson is yet in terms mm-hmm. of his NFL prospects. I'm not ready to say that he's going to be a top you know, kind of player uh, in the draft yet at this stage, even though he's been very, very productive. But, uh, again, I kind of want to temper my expectations a little bit with Watson you know, because everyone would have said, at this stage of his career, that Taj Boyd was a top five pick, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and obviously that was not the case yeah, as he ended up. I think he went in the sixth round yeah. or he went undrafted uh, round, yeah. to the New York Jets. Everett Golson, I, I don't see it as a, as a top pick in the, in the NFL. I think maybe, maybe he's a late round pick, uh, you know, out of Florida State. You know, you look at the rest of this conference, you know, Pitt, 
North Carolina. Actually, you know, the one guy that I would say uh, has a chance to be maybe, you know, one of the top players uh, in this conference from the quarterback position, and he's not, he's not really, uh, he's not eligible for the draft yet, and that is the quarterback from the Miami Hurricanes. He was a true freshman a year ago. He's a true sophomore this year, has made a number of different plays uh, with the ball in his hands and just really, really impressive attacking down the field. You see him throw with anticipation. You see him uh, make really accurate throws, and that's the sophomore quarterback, Brad Kaya, uh, who has consistently made plays for them. He, I think he missed the last two weeks with a concussion, so uh, you'd like to see him get healthy again. But Brad Kaya is a guy that I, I would keep an eye on because anytime I've watched him, they've made, he's made a number of big plays for them. Michael Brewer at Virginia Tech has made plays for them, and he was such a big part of that offense when they were trying to upset Ohio State back in week one, and then he left with a broken collarbone and missed a good chunk of the year. So those would be the guys. Marquise Williams has been impressive as well and has put up big numbers for North Carolina. I don't think that he's necessarily a top prospect either. So when you're looking at NFL draft prospects right now from the ACC, I would say it's Brissett. I would put Brad Kaya and, uh, and Deshaun Watson right there, right beneath them. And then maybe Michael Brewer, I guess, from Virginia Tech. And then I'd go with, with the rest, you know, and, and kind of stack it in that order. Our thanks to everyone who submitted questions here in our mailbag. And uh, I think that'll wrap things up on this edition to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Um, again, one final time, be sure to like, subscribe, uh, comment, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, however it is that you listen to our Eagles podcast. For Fran Duffy, I'm Alex Smith. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you guys next week.